Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Florida Foodie. I'm your host, Candace Campos, along with our producer extraordinaire, Thomas Mates. And right, and right now, all across the state of Florida, bars are not allowed to serve alcohol on premises unless they're also serving food. Now, that's going to be very important with our next guest. That rule is also affecting many craft breweries, forcing many into more of that to-go-only business model. Now, because of that, the Florida Brewers Guild recently put out an open letter to the governor and the head of the Department of Business and Professional Regulation asking to change the rules for breweries. To tell us more about this issue and the problems it is causing for brewers, we are joined by Glenn Clausen, the owner of Ivanhoe Park Brewing and the treasurer for the Florida Brewers Guild. Good afternoon. Uh, I mean, thank you so much for, for kind of sitting with us and talking with us, Glenn, because this is a real problem during this pandemic. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. I definitely want to spread the word and hopefully the governor's office of DBPR will kind of hear, hear our cry for help. All right, so first off, let's let's just talk about Ivanhoe Park Brewing and tell us about your brewery. What makes you guys different? What makes you guys the tastiest beer around? Yeah, so Ivanhoe Park Brewing's been around for about two years now. Um, we kind of chose Ivanhoe Village as a good location because we felt there was a lot of community already built there. Um, most of the breweries in Florida, that's that's our goal is to build community. We're, we're trying to get out there and you know, have residents come out and enjoy a pint, bring their dog, hang out on the patio, bring their family. Um, we've done a lot of various days. We do family day every fourth Sunday. I mean, this is all pre-COVID, obviously. Of course. Dog day afternoon, every second Sunday, we have yoga on the patio. So it's like, we're working with a lot of other local business partners to kind of help promote them while also bringing people together to just enjoy a couple of beers. It's really, when it, when it comes to breweries, I didn't really know this until I started like going to them. It's completely different than bars. I, I know that you guys wrote a kind of that open letter to uh, Ron DeSantis about how you guys shouldn't be put into the same category. So how are you different than bars? The biggest thing is, you know, we're closed by like 10 p.m. I know I'm in bed by nine, so I, I can't even count to, to figure out how bars operate anymore. I've got for that, but it's just, it has more of that community build feeling. Like, you know, it's younger professionals that are just coming out. We have flights of beer, so you can try four different samples of beer. And then from there, you can choose one or two that were your favorite and just kind of go through that lineup, hang out with friends, and then call it a day. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't coming to overconsume, and, you know, we all are here to have fun, obviously, but most of the time it's kind of come here, hang out. It's just like a place that people can get together and then go home at the end of the day. So your open letter uh, to the governor, could you break that down a little bit for us as far as, as uh, what it says exactly and, and, and how this sort of came together as a, as a push for you guys? Yeah, so the Florida Brewers Guild, we're pretty close connected with DBPR. Uh, we have a, our attorney, he actually can text with Halsey Bashirs to kind of get things done usually. Um, he has a great connection with the governor's office, so we kind of communicate with them pretty directly. And when the second round came out, you know, they had initially allowed us to reopen based on the fact that we had a food truck on our patio, which would allow us to operate as a food establishment under CDC guidelines of 50% be less than 10 people. So we were all following that. And when they said the second closure with bars, we thought they would let us classify with that food truck operating as a food establishment. But unfortunately, Halsey Bashirs and the DBPR disagreed with that and said, unfortunately, they're gonna classify us as bars. 
So we were kind of, you know, taken back at that point because a lot of us were following the rules and regulations. We were even self-closing. I know local breweries in Central Florida were closing when a customer reached out and said, hey, I've been in contact, just wanted to let you know. And they would shut down, do the proper protocol of cleaning before reopening safely with even more protocols to kind of, you know, hedge that risk of increased cases. Um, so all we were trying to do behind closed doors was get that in place because a lot of breweries don't operate with food. We have food trucks and, you know, we, we tried to work that out. And unfortunately, DBPR kind of went silent on us. The governor's office wasn't listening. So we got together as a guild and, you know, it was kind of quick how we put the letter together, but there are 320 breweries in the state of Florida that work with the guild as members. And we did an internal um, audit and they said about a hundred of them, if something doesn't change in the next couple of weeks, they're going to have to close their door permanently. And all those places that built that community and built that brand and these people's livelihoods, all, all these owners, we know each other and we hang out, we know each other's families. We have a beer together, you know, occasionally. And it's just tough knowing their story and knowing that, you know, what they're going through could be devastating. And I mean, we were, we were talking before this recording about how, you know, during this pandemic, we've talked to so many businesses, uh, families, I mean, even with schooling, learning how to, you know, quote, pivot the way that you do schooling or pivot the way you do business. And you guys have had to put a lot of money into it to try to, to make things work, to be able to keep your, your business open. Can you give us a little bit of an explainer about that? Yeah. So luckily at Ivanhoe Park, we invested in putting in the drop ceiling. Uh, we purchased a pizza oven and we partnered with local Slippers Pizzeria, which does like kind of uh, pre-made pizzas that we can quickly cook and get out in five to six minutes. So that allowed us to file with the DBPR to get another license to let us use our original license the way it should be utilized, which is a difficult situation because with the first round of closures, it kind of was an even playing field where nobody could serve on premise. So a lot of people did come out and support and it was great for local breweries because we do offer off-premise packaging. Some of the breweries that don't have a canning line, you know, they figured it out. They worked with prowlers and growlers and got beer to go. So it was almost, you know, somewhat helpful that everybody had to shut down on-premise because then when you're, you're forced to drink at home, you're going to get your favorite cocktail to go from your restaurant, but you'll still come out to support your local brewery. With this round of closures, unfortunately, you know, restaurants are allowed to be open with on-premise. So it makes it more difficult because people are, you know, not shopping off-premise product anymore. They're going to the bar and hanging out and having a couple beers with their friends and then going home. So it's kind of, you know, dropped significantly based off of phase one versus phase two. So with us, we invested about $2,500 to get all these items together. We applied for our 509 license as soon as we knew about that so-called loophole. And it allowed us to reopen with that piece of paper but it's, it's tough because that piece of paper doesn't make us any safer from having COVID here. Um, and a lot of other breweries going through that first round of devastation and loss of revenue and, you know, trying to keep employees hired. Unfortunately, they don't have that type of capital or resources to, to get that food license to let them operate at somewhat of a normal, you know, operation. So what would you, what's your overall goal here? Like what, what's, what's is that you finally want to accomplish with this, this push, you know, this message to the governor, you know, is there a compromise that could be reached? Uh, what's, what's the, what's the end game? So the biggest compromise is just letting us go back to the food truck operations. I mean, I don't see a difference between a restaurant having a kitchen and a food truck serving food uh, with beer and wine on premise with our two COP licenses that we currently have to allow us to operate that way. 
Um, we've presented that and unfortunately it was shot down. So it's just something we're trying to bring to bring to light. Like, how is it any different? A lot of us aren't bars. We're closed by 10 p.m. Like we mentioned, we're more of a family-friendly, dog-friendly establishments that are just trying to keep our lights on, pay our rent. I mean, we're coming up to the point where I think it was two weeks ago where we closed, mandated closed by the state more than we've been allowed to be open in 2020. And it's just difficult. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff on the docket, but that's the biggest thing. It's just letting us get to some sort of normal and then, you know, evaluate what we can do in the future to help with maybe, you know, waiving license fees that they usually charge annually um, or helping us with some sort of tax credits or something, just anything that will allow these hundred breweries that say they're going to close. They can't pay their rent. They can't pay their payroll. They aren't going to keep their lights on and, you know, not kill that community that we've been building. Yeah, and this, and I mean, the community is really also, I mean, for the last couple of years, brewers have really started pick up, like, really gaining momentum uh, across Florida, you know, and, and it's one of those things, it's hard to see it finally starting to reach its, you know, you know, its crescendo, and then all of a sudden this, this happens. I mean, uh, what, what are the other brewing companies, you know, kind of, kind of also saying? So I talked to a lot of them personally. Um, it's just tough. I mean, they're finally agreeing, like, fine, I'm going to go ahead and try to find this money to pay for this piece of paper that says I'm, you know, protected from COVID-19. Um, so it's slowly transitioning where we are getting that because a lot of rumors are out there, but we're not hearing anything from DBPR or from mayor's office. So we don't know. Like we thought last Friday when we got the tweet at 5.01 PM from Bashir saying he's not going to change anything. We're all kind of put by that, you know, it doesn't give us a timeline. It doesn't extend his three weeks that he's already shut us down. Like if cases are still rising and we've been shut down for three weeks, like how are we the problem? Like give us more factual data that states we are the problem. And if we are, then yeah, we all want to be as safe as we can. We're not trying to, you know, spread the virus or increase cases. It's not our end goal. Our end goal is to keep our businesses open. And I feel like every brewery that I've seen, you know, we've all followed CDC guidelines, at least locally in central Florida. I can only speak for that, but I think, you know, it's tough because a lot of them are going to be impacted and, you know, that's, that's just what we got to do, unfortunately. So it's, it's fair to say that your, your issue isn't necessarily that you have to close. Obviously it, it, it it's more that you have, have not been given the reasons behind it. It's just, it seems that you, you were, you were told, Oh, this is the problem and you're closed and never the, the how or the why. That is one of the big issues. They did tell us that the Department of Health gave them contact tracing data and it led back to mainly bars. And unfortunately, since we are grouped under bars, it's just, you know, I, I believe they could have found contract tracing going back to bars. It's, it's something that three weeks later, they could have reevaluated and said, you know what, we shouldn't have looped you into that. You've come to us saying, you know, well, we're willing to close at 8 p.m. Like at least give us something to try to capture some like lunchtime business, some dinner time business, you know, we have food trucks, we're a regular food establishment. So, I mean, there's, it, it's tough because they're not reevaluating the data. They're just tweeting at 5.01 PM that they're not going to change anything. Yeah. I mean, all they need to do is really, I mean, no offense here, but walk into a bar and walk into a brewery and you can obviously by just walking in the door and noticing that there is, it's completely different atmosphere. It's a completely different environment. Um, where, you know, bars are much smaller, they're much more contained, you know, seating is much closer, it's a lot more intimate, 
you know, for reasons that they are a bar for those purposes, for breweries, like you were saying, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've gone to some breweries that the whole wall is a big window and it opens up and it turns almost like an outdoor patio. So it's just, I'm surprised to see that it's still being grouped under the same, the same category as bars. I mean, that should be really frustrating to you guys. Yeah, and that's what we're hoping, you know, once we get open and running, the, the guild's obviously going to redirect their efforts to try and figure out a way to classify us differently. I mean, the thing is, we have to pay a CMB license, which allows us to manufacture the beer. So we are technically manufacturing first, tasting room second with our two COP, but we can't exist without having both of them. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, we are in distribution. A lot of other breweries aren't in distribution, so they have to depend on the fact that they can brew their beer in the back and then sell it out front. So when you take away half of your business model, that's actually the one that's keeping you afloat. That's where it's going to be more difficult. Has there been any partnerships between some of the breweries that are out there? Like with, you know, since restaurants are allowed to be open and sell alcohol on premises, as long as people are eating, you know, has there been any sort of agreements between, you know, just sort of, again, reaching out to those sort of community assets that you guys have built up over time and like with an agreement to sell as you guys are, are bottling and canning? So luckily with us, we already had a lot of uh, accounts out there that are restaurants. So they've been a huge support um, helping us out. They know we're in a difficult time. We're actually doing a promotion with Pig Floyd's down the road from us. They do like, um. <laughs> they are so good. So they're doing a special this weekend where you can call in and you get a mixed six pack of our Joyland RPA and our Toboggan Blondale. And then you get it with a huge pairing of meats that they're giving out. It comes with the ribs, it comes with the brisket, it comes with two sides. So let me get a pen and paper. Hold on, Glenn. I got to write this down. That sounds <laughs> yeah. amazing. But it's, yes. it's it's like what you were talking about. It's just trying to get as creative as possible, and you know, it's it's local businesses also helping local businesses. Yeah, and I think it's that's what's tough. Is like I feel like Ivanhoe Park's doing what we can to keep alive, and we want to help other breweries. That's my biggest thing is being a board member of the guild. Like I'm here to advocate for them and I hear their stories and that's where, you know, I want to be there and tell their story and get it out there. And that's why hopefully a lot of these outlets are also listening to them to hear their story because it's, it's been a more difficult challenge because they were on the up and up. They were, you know, kind of flowing, but it was more so the fact that they depend on their tap room than the distribution side of it. So we're just lined up with the fact that we did have distribution, so it's helped us get through this. But I mean, obviously our taproom side is a day-by-day -day thing and we want to keep our staff employed as long as we can. Get them all back, you know, as soon as phase one allowed us to reopen, we brought most of our staff back and now we're reevaluating and deciding like, look, the taproom's a lot slower than it used to be. It's just not as great as it used to be. So we're trying to figure out what we can do as a whole that will benefit all of us to, you know, keep us employed, keep us, you know, open. So you've said there's a, at least 100 uh, breweries across the state that are kind of in the danger zone right now. Are there any that have already kind of, you know, that last nail's already kind of been put in their coffin and they've had, they've had to close down operations? Or is that still, you know, are, are, is everyone so fortunate enough to stay open? There are two in the state so far that have reported to us. And I mean, the rest, I mean, we know it's probably going to happen if nothing changes. That's the unfortunate thing. We, we have the list and, you know, we want to try to support them how we can so that they can keep running. But um, only two have like officially announced that, you know, they can't get through it. But it's a ticking bomb for everybody else, unfortunately. 
pretty much. Two weeks is going to be a, a big, you know, decision in the next two weeks for a lot of them. So that's going to be kind of like the red line date is just two weeks. They'll know if their operations have to suspend. Yep. And I mean, like I said, with the CMB license, we're going to owe $3,000 to renew that uh, at the end of August or September in that time frame. So if we're already making little to no money to just pay for ingredients, to pay payroll, to pay rent, and we're getting hit with another, you know, annual license fee from DBPR, that's where, you know, that's the next thing on the docket. Once we get people open, we're hoping we can come to the table and negotiate some way to lower those fees. I mean, we're not able to use our licenses at 100%, so why should we pay the right. annual fee if you're state mandating us to not be able to? So that's a whole that we're hoping to get covered eventually, but right now the biggest thing is just letting the breweries get open. That's the one thing that we're trying to really push out there. So what can, what can we do? Where you're listening to your podcast, we're watching this podcast, what can Floridians do to help you guys out? What, what's, what, what are some of the things that we can do this weekend, let's say, to help you guys out? Yeah, so definitely support your local brewery. I mean, all of them have pivoted to off-premise, so they at least have that. Uh, if you see, if you do go to the restaurant because you do want to hang out, have a beer, and your local brewery isn't pivoting and doesn't have the food license, then definitely, you know, select a local beer that's been distributed there. I think that's just going to be the biggest help on both sides of it. Um, I know there's groups of people that just spend all Saturday and just drive hitting multiple breweries and grabbing whatever, you know, four pack or six pack that they're offering or whatever prowler or growler that they have to go. Um, so I think, yeah, for the short term, that'd be the biggest help is just helping, you know, purchase product from them, keeping them somewhat invested. And then we'll see once we can open and hopefully we'll be able to get at least small crowds back out so that we can enjoy the community feel that we usually feel. Is there a hashtag or something we can use to kind of share anything or just kind of tagging the local brewery? I think tagging the local brewery, obviously tagging the Florida Brewers Guild so that we do see that support. Um, I mean, the board members, we've been meeting daily. We're all volunteers. We're all business owners. So mm -hmm. we're in every other brewery, but we're also putting in the additional time early in the morning, late at night, just to kind of see what we can do to you know spread the word get the information out there so i think yeah on social media it'd be great to post on there you know give good reviews on yelp i mean if they deserve it but yeah of course <laughs> just you know i mean that's that's one way that you can do it without even spending money or even visiting the brewery if you've been to a brewery i mean most people go on yelp to get bad reviews so it's kind of nice when you're like yeah. let's catch up on my positive reviews i didn't take the time to do that so just kind of letting the brewery know like, hey, you know, you gave me great service, even if it was like one year, two years ago, like something to remind them like, hey, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We loved your beer. We loved your place. We want you to stick around. I think, I mean, keeping the morale up is the biggest thing right now. Awesome. Well, Glenn, I mean, I don't have any questions. Do you have any more questions, Thomas? Uh, you know, real quick before we go, uh, of course, you know, just like where can people find you and your brewery and, you know, what's one what of the social media tags also for the Florida's Brewer, Brewers Guild if people want to uh, show support that way as well. Yeah, for sure. So Ivanhoe Park is located in Ivanhoe Village, just north of downtown. We're at 1300 Alden Road in Orlando. Um, you can find our beer distributed through ABC Total Wine Fresh Market. Um, we're in about 100 different local restaurants um, locally, and then we also have distribution up in uh, Seminole County, Lake County, and Daytona and Flagler counties. Um, so you can find us pretty much a lot of places. Um, the Florida Brewers Guild, obviously Florida Brewers Guild is our handle for most of our social media. 
Uh, so definitely check us out and follow that and see what we can do as far as getting the letter out there until we get a response. We're hoping soon that we'll get some. Keep us posted, please. We're, we're hoping, our fingers are crossed and hoping this, this turns a good corner. Definitely. And thank you guys so much for the support. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Glenn Clausen, the CEO of Ivanhoe Park Brewing and the treasurer of the Florida Brewers Guild. You can learn more about the brewery on its website, IvanhoeParkBrewing.com. You can also follow the brewery on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can learn more about the Florida Brewers Guild at its website, FloridaBrewersGuild.org. Our host is Candace Campos. Please follow her online as well. You can find her on Twitter. Just search at CandiceNew6. And on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6. We'd also like to thank our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash podcasts.